0: The program podcast is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Hey guys, this is Brian Jay from Program Wrestling Radio. Thank you for listening to tonight's episode again. Remember, subscribe to iTunes so that all of the new episodes automatically download to your computer when you log into iTunes. Remember, subscribe to Program Wrestling Radio or Program Podcast on the iTunes store. And also, we will let you know on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash program podcast, when selected episodes will be live, which you will be able to hear directly live through the player at programpodcast.blogspot.com. Thank you and enjoy tonight's program. All right, good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us again tonight on Mixler. My name is Brian J. Uh, again, it's Tuesday night, January 27th, 2015. You can reach us at ProgramPodcast at uh, gmail.com. You're listening live on Mixler with us tonight. Uh, you can always subscribe to our feed at iTunes.com as well. That way you can be updated with all the latest episodes. If In case you miss these ones, you can Take him with you to the gym, to to church while you balance your checkbook. You know, while you're supposed to be listening to other stuff that's supposed to be important. Do with it what you want, but uh, we welcome you to the show tonight. We have a special guest uh, in running up to Imperial Wrestling Entertainment's uh, TV taping on Saturday in Mount Pleasant. John Campbell has put me in touch with several wrestlers who uh, are familiar to that area, but this one in general has been wrestling around the Midwest. For quite a while now. We're uh, going to talk some shop here. Hopefully I qualify to him as <laughs> someone who's <laughs> not one of the uh, neckbeards that was screaming at their TV Sunday night about Daniel Bryan not winning. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show tonight Bruiser Schmidt. Bruiser, how you doing? Good, sir. And you? Good. Sir's a little formal. Feels like my dad, but uh, you can call me Bryan. Brian. My mom raised me with with
1: values, my friend, so everybody's sir, ma'am, for the most part. At least to start.
0: No, I understand that. Um, So you you mentioned off-air the whole uh, Daniel Bryan, Royal Rumble fiasco. We'll get into that. Um, But John Campbell, as I mentioned, put me in touch with you and told me that you were one of the guys that uh, I should be talking to. And I I did a little bit of research on you, watched a few matches, but I want to let you... Tell your story a bit, and then when we're done with that, we'll we'll talk shop. So, for those of that don't know, Bruiser Schmidt, um, how did you get your start, and and how did you get hooked as a fan? Where did it all start for you?
1: I can. There was a theater where I I grew up. I grew up in Akron, Ohio area, and there was a theater on Waterloo Road, and it had a glass balcony. Where the concessions were sold, and I can remember them showing uh, the closed circuit of WrestleMania three, and seeing Hogan body slam Andre from that 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 balcony. But the moment I think the moment that really sucked me in, where I knew I had to do that because I could feel what was coming through the television was WrestleMania seven when Hogan beat Slaughter for the title.
0: Right on. That's an iconic moment.
1: And Hogan standing... and I'll, I'll never forget the moment. I will be old and senile and laying in a hospital bed, and I will still remember this vividly. Sitting, I can remember sitting on my dad's floor at his house, watching Mania, and watching the whole thing, uh, Warrior, Warrior, and Savage, which is still one of my favorite matches to this day. I mean, it's a great match, but like that—that that, to me is one of the best matches ever. I know quite a few people don't agree, but that's my opinion. You know, perfect in perfect in uh, boss man with, with Andre coming out chasing Keenan off. Uh, the first time I ever saw Powerbomb on you know WWF television was when uh, Pedro and Cato did it, the demolition.
0: Right. You, you know,
1: know it, I, I remember seeing all of that. But Hogan, Hogan and Slaughter, Hogan burning the, the, or Slaughter burning Hogan's T-shirt, putting him in the camel clutch, not letting go. And then you get, you get to Mania, and Hogan's bloody knees, ripping up the Iraqi flag, he drops the leg on Slaughter, and in the background, you know, the crowd's going nuts. The song's playing. Everybody knows I'm a real American. Then he's waving that flag, and he's got the belt on, his, on, and I can feel it coming through my television. I, WrestleMania 7, I was almost 10. And I stayed up the, the three hours, because they used to play it, you, you buy the pay-per-view, and then you get to replay it. Right. And I remember staying up the full three hours to watch that moment again because that's how much it impacted me.
0: That's awesome. Um, how did you get started in the business? And now that we know kind of where you got your where your interest peaked and whatnot, um, how did you actually get your start in the business? I know it's a little interesting, but uh, at what well, moment did you decide that you had to do this, and, and how did you – Go about doing that. much,
1: much like my life. I've never chosen the easy path in anything. Um, when I was, when I was eighteen, eighteen or nineteen. There were a group of guys that were a couple of years behind me in high school that had done a, a weekly, uh, weekly backyard thing out of the one guy's yard, and it, it attracted a fair number of people. And they were on local local cable access with it, and they were all pretty safe. And this not at the time Tough Enough was coming out, so you could pretty much see how everything was done anyway. Right. With, the, with Tough Enough and the UPW tape, so a lot of those guys were, were self-trained, and I hooked up with them, and I did that with them for three or four summers, and then we all went our separate ways, but there was a company not too far from us that were using a lot of those guys. Okay. And at the time, at the time, I knew nothing about the business ethics and getting properly trained and the, the way that things were done. So I just figured that, that that's how you did it. That's how you became a wrestler. And boy, was I wrong. And. uh In 2006, uh, I took a booking in Illinois that I wasn't qualified to take, and I went to Illinois, and my greenness and inexperience and lack of knowledge and training shone through, and I got the crap kicked out of me in the ring, and then... Summarily shown the door, and then for six years, I just casually watched and was a fan and had no desire to do it. But uh, for my thirtieth birthday, I said, "You know what? If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right." And I went and found a school in the in 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 the Midwest, uh, the stomping grounds uh, for main event championship wrestling that was out of Maslin. Okay, uh, and it was ran by Shasta. The uh, trainers were Ethan Wright and Seth Allen, and I went and got trained properly. And I've been doing this since then. What was the biggest? I mean,
0: what, what was the biggest wake up? Was it just that? Was it going in there, feeling like you were in over your head, and just getting the the shit kicked out of you? And <laughs> You know,
1: the biggest. I think the biggest wake-up call wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't what happened. In the ring. It was. I think it was the embarrassment afterward. Right. And knowing. Knowing that I had gotten myself into something, you know, that 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 light bulb, that wake-up, that. That, oh, this is serious. This is something you know. Like I just made a big, big no-no.
0: Okay. Um,
1: I think that. I think that was the big wake-up. Was the was the afterward? It wasn't. It wasn't so much at the time. It was afterward when everything really sunk in.
0: Having gone through that sort of thing, what advice do you have for, uh, let's say, any aspiring pro wrestler or aspiring manager? Someone looking to get into the business, uh, someone who's who can can tell them that lesson firsthand. Uh, what advice would you give to them?
1: Do your research and your homework. Like I happen to know, Truth Martini School, House of Truth, is there in Michigan. Sure, it's a fa- it's a fantastic school. There's um, Rockstar Pro down in Dayton. They're fantastic. There's uh. You know, the Samoan school in Pennsylvania. There there are plenty of legitimate and uh well established schools who can train you to do the things that you want. And you're not gonna if you're looking to pay three hundred bucks and become a pro wrestler, then this isn't for you. Because you're trying to take the easy route and it's not easy. Right. How I uh, mean I'm Go ahead. I'm five eight and two fifty. I'm not your I'm not your Adonis, you know muscle, you know, muscular type. I've watched guys who are state champion amateur wrestlers, state champion football players, and former military for that matter, come into wrestling training and quit that day because right. they couldn't do it.
0: Yeah, we've, we've you already- have to
1: have perseverance.
0: We've all heard, you know, plenty of those stories, and uh, I don't remember who it was. Someone, maybe it was Dennis Rodman, maybe Carl Malone. I don't know who it was. I don't him, Lawrence Taylor, one of the numerous athletes that have gotten into the ring with either WWE or WCW, have said, and I think it was even King Mo when he was training while he was fighting MMA. He was training with TNA and Kurt Angle, and even everyone always says, you know, I've done, you know. X, Y, or Z. I've played basketball. I've played football at an amateur and a professional level, but there's nothing like this that I've ever done.
1: It's so, it's so strenuous on your body because you have to be able to multitask and you have to force your body to do it because you have to go, okay, am, am I, Am I giving my my best effort? Am I am I doing the things that I need to do? Am I am I selling properly? Am I am I making sure I'm hitting all my moves right? Am I am I you know, you you have to do all of that. Oh, and you have to make sure that you're there for everything that you need to be there for. Right.
0: Now did you feel any sort of you know, backlash once you got back into the swing of things or had enough time no. pass that it really didn't matter? I know,
1: I I think enough time had gone by and plus Plus, it was something that happened in Illinois. And it really wasn't anything that I talked about openly, okay. because I was still slightly embarrassed about it. But I think, I think if you're going to if you're going to exercise the demons of the past, then you have to admit to having them. Sure. You know that's the that's the only way you get to move forward.
0: Right. I read an interview recently that Husky Howard did. He uh posts some articles and some interviews that he does in a Facebook group that uh, I'm a part of called the Fans of Wrestling. It's very small, intimate, just a certain, like, 30, 40 people that all know each other that share. I did an stories. interview with him. Yeah, and I, I read that you've been doing some powerlifting lately. Now, you said that you're you're a big guy. You're 5'8", but you about, go about 250. And I watched mm-hmm. you and, and Ricky Cartier... Uh, you guys had a match with IWE a couple weeks back, maybe a couple months back now. Uh, but the one thing that amazed me, and I told Ricky this, is how how well both of you moved at your size, and how has the powerlifting training, uh, how has that affected your ring work and the way you you train and prepare for for performance?
1: It's definitely helped me with bigger individuals. I mean, I'm I'm benching close to two fifty. I had some I had some major hernia surgery in September, hmm. so I had I couldn't I couldn't really power lift for a while, and now I'm really starting to get back into it. Right. I mean, my at the time my squat was at 500, my deadlift was at 500. Nice. My bench was at my bench was at 250. I think now my squat my max squat, hovering right around 375. The same with my deadlift. Yeah, I'm 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 not so much going for raw raw weight and power now is. Kind of done a hybrid where it's more uh, more weight, but as many reps as I can get. Right, and that that's really helped with with being able to get those big guys up and 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 move them around. And plus, when you're doing squats, um, it's going to help you jump. You're going to be able to you know to to get up there and do what you need to do. Um, I think. I think the one thing that has helped me more than anything is yoga.
0: Do you subscribe to the DDP Yoga, or do you just do regular? I do.
1: do I you? do. Oh you know, yeah! And if anybody says that he didn't design that for wrestlers, is out of their gourd because that is one hundred percent for 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 wrestlers. Like a lot of that stuff, I will do. There's a 10-minute like wake-up routine on it that you that you do every morning, or if you're feeling, you know, you're not feeling the best. I'll do it before a match, and then I'll do it afterward, and I'll do it the next morning, and then I'll go to the gym and I'll do like a little light circuit and hit the hit the hydro bed and hit the tanning booth and loosen everything up. and I'm fine. Don't have the uh, the day after aches and pains. I feel feel fine.
0: That's awesome. Because so, sorry, go
1: ahead. I was say, its a wonderful program.
0: I've heard nothing but good things about that, and and some of the—I think they just finished or premiered the rebuilding the snake or rebuilding Jake Roberts a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm—I mm-hmm. was surprised not to see Jake Roberts at the Royal Rumble last uh, Sunday night.
1: Um, I yeah, I was excited to see Bubba, but it it. At his age, I can understand why Jake might not be in there. So, right. But I mean, my my grandmother is in her in her later seventies, suffers from fibromyalgia and just old age, and I got her doing some of the DDP yoga stuff. Really. And she feels oh yeah, she feels ten
0: times better. That's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe maybe you should uh, have you thought about emailing DDP and letting them know.
1: I'm going to, I really, I really want to get my grand, because I, I do this thing with my grandmother once a week where we go have dinner together at her house. Right. I have it with my grandparents and, uh, you know, just to catch up and, and, to, you know, to visit because everybody's kind of got their own lives, but you got to make sure, you know, you check up on the, on, on the ones who paved the way before you. Absolutely. And so like, I, I try to get over there as often as I can. It's usually about once or twice a week. And I want to start taking taking my my discs over there with me and doing yoga with her like twice a week, and seeing seeing how well she you know how 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 much better she moves
0: with it. That's awesome. I would
1: love I would love to contact EDP about it because I think I think it'd, it'd be something that's really positive. If you look at the guy who was the, the, essentially the test subject, the what was his name Edward.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've seen that.
1: the 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 the, the golf war veteran like, if if that can work for him, I'm sure it can work for my grandmother. Cause my grandmother's just she she's not as she wasn't heavy like him, but she's she's got about just about as much mobility as he did. Yeah.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Um, speaking of Sunday, there's been a lot of. You know, obviously, we we write down and brainstorm all these questions that we want to talk to you about. But you mentioned Sunday and what happened at the Royal Rumble. Now, from someone who's been Mm -hmm. in the business, who has gone through kind of the, you know, that humbling experience and then going and learning to do things the right way, what did you think about what happened on Sunday? Because I can talk and talk and talk all day long. I've got no in the ring experience. I can just give a fan's opinion. But what do you think about what unfolded on Sunday?
1: You know it's not it's it's not anything that we didn't expect as fans. I think we all thought coming um, I think there is a perception amongst fans that Vince doesn't know what is best for the fans um and he may not. But if you have, you have to look at it from a perspective of it's a business, and what is going to sell more tickets to the biggest event that they have? Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, or Daniel Bryan versus Seth
0: Rollins. Right. It's gonna be, obviously, ha- obviously, it's gonna be what they went with, you know.
1: Right, because when you when you put those two big names on the marquee, you're grabbing the casual fan, because the casual fan, casual fan certainly knows who Daniel Bryan is, but casual fan also knows who Roman Reigns is, and and the MMA fan knows who Brock Lesnar is. Right, you're you're, you're dipping into two markets.
0: And speaking to that point. I just I don't think a lot of pe- a lot of fans get it. I think fans just live and especially the hardcore ones because I talk with a lot of fans on uh, online message board, Facebook. I try to keep, you know, obviously I do this once a week or once every two weeks whenever we can and I'm talking about it. I I have to keep my pulse or my my finger on the pulse to try to figure out what people are talking about, but I just I've grown so confused over the the past 6 months since we've really ramped up doing this because I just think so many fans uh, sometimes myself included, maybe out of ignorance, just live inside the the fandom wrestling bubble and don't really see the forest through the trees. And uh, two points about Sunday that that agree with what you just said, and then we're going to ask another couple of questions about you. But um, my wife, I was watching the network in the basement so my two-year-old could go to sleep, and my wife comes down specifically for the triple threat match with Cena Brock, and Reigns. And whenever I watch Raw, she'll sit down next to me and she'll say, Brock's not fighting tonight, is he? No, he's not. Why not? Because when he'll fight, it'll be a big deal, and it's going to be on pay-per-view. She came down specifically for that match. When it was over, she said, all right, I'm going to bed. That was cool. Went upstairs. So there's someone who puts up with it but would never watch it on her own coming down to watch it. Uh, The second one was... My nephew is a huge fan, and I bought him uh, a subscription for his birthday. And his mom thinks The Rock is hot, thinks Roman Reigns is hot, thinks John Cena is you know, whatever. And she was talking about the matches because he was watching it on his, um, his iPad or tablet, and she picked it up after he went to bed and went back and watched it. So there's two examples right there of people who would never watch wrestling, who kind of know about it who were brought in by, one, by Roman Reigns and The Rock, the second one by Brock Lesnar.
1: Well, think about what you just said. Your wife asked you if Brock was going to be on Raw fighting or wrestling. Right. And you said no, because when he puts up the title, it's going to be a big deal. That's what Brock Lesnar has done with the title since he won it at SummerSlam. He took the title away, and they made it a big deal again. It's now a big deal to see the champion and to see it defended. Before it was traded more than a cup of sugar between neighbors.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: And it held no value. It was a prop. Now it means something. CM Punk CM Punk started it when he held it for four hundred and thirty four days. Right. And then the capper was Brock taking it and saying, if you want it, you got to make it mean something, you know? And I he think it's interesting.
0: It. Yeah. I, the first couple months after he beat John at SummerSlam and then they had the rematch and then he went away from like September to December or September to November or whatever that three or four month time frame was. I understand what they did. They, they took the focus kind of off of him and they didn't want to almost admit and tell people, yep, the champion's not here because he was gone for like three, four months hunting or whatever. Um, And they kind of made the the must-see or the must-have opportunity the chance to get in the ring and beat the crap out of Seth Rollins, which was great. But at the same time, I I think in avoiding talking about Brock taking the championship away, they kind of took focus off of it. So while it was important to kick Seth Rollins' ass for Cena and Ambrose and whoever it was, I think at first they kind of... Like, ignored the fact that he was gone. But I think since December, I mean, at least, or late November when he came back after Survivor Series, I think it's been probably the most anticipated title match in probably three, four years this past uh, this past Sunday night.
1: Well, they, he also... This is just my opinion as a fan. Sure. Okay? Because even if we're in... In the business, in whatever way we're in it, we're still fans. we still right. watch it. You know? Sure. And this is my opinion as a fan, is that he made the title important again. He made it something worth having again. And oh, by the way, without Brock Lesnar taking that title away, guess what you don't get? The importance and the focus of the company put on guys like Bray Wyatt, and and Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose That's right. and the younger crop of guys who are going to be the John Cena's and the Randy Orton's and the Brock Lesnar's in the next three to five years. They've made, in the five months that Brock has been champions in SummerSlam, they've made that transition from the old guard to the new guard, very easy and very seamlessly and very quiet.
0: Yeah, I'll agree with that. If you watch the Royal Rumble, with a couple exceptions that were done specifically for a certain reason, they were like Wyatt. I thought the Royal Rumble match itself was excellent, but um, Brock, I think, silenced a lot of people that thought that he was just in it for the money and he, he was all show, no go anymore. Uh, I think Seth Rollins proved that he belongs in the ring with those guys. I think John Cena proved that he's more than just his five moves of doom and waving his hand in front of his face. Those guys were just all on. And then the Divas match was okay. The tag matches were great. I even, the Ascension's gotten a lot of heat in the past couple of weeks, but I I even enjoyed their match with the Outlaws and thought they held up their end of the bargain pretty well. Um, I I like,
1: as a... As a fan, I like what WWE has done with that. They brought the New Age outlaws out and they're gonna work with they're gonna work with the Ascension and help them. And then they've got quite possibly one of the best tag teams ever in the Dudleys coming back. And they're gonna work with the Ascension. I can guarantee you they're gonna work with the Ascension. So you've got You've got how many, how many tag team championships and decades of tag experience between those two teams to help out the Ascension and show them the ropes?
0: You know, I know a lot of people on some you know, TNA fans have been talking. We've gone about 30. Is it okay if we go in a, a little bit longer? Sure. Okay. I know we kind of talked about the possibility. I didn't know how long you could hang on, so just let me know when enough's enough. Oh, you're good. All right, man. Um, Speaking of the Dudleys, uh, I, I saw some people talking about how hypocritical it was for a lot of WWE fans talking smack about Bubba or Bully and Devon and TNA, how they should hang it up, how they were done. And now everyone's excited because they're back in the WWE. But I think, and you remember the Monday Night Wars, I think it's the same thing with guys like Hogan, where they were stale, they were pretty much done, didn't think there was anything left in the tank when they're in WWE, so they go somewhere else. And they worked with a lot of good tag teams in TNA. I mean, they were with the Steiners and with Beer Money and with, you know, Hernandez and Homicide, all these other guys that were crowd favorites there. But even after a while, their things got old. And now that they're coming back, it's almost like when Hogan and Hall and Nash were in WCW, and then when that went out of business, they came back to WWE because now it's fresh. Now you've got the Ascension. You've got uh, Goldust and Cody Rhodes. You've got, you know, obviously not a ton of teams, but there's a couple teams that they really want to solidify as a big deal. And now here come the Dudleys after a, an 11-year absence or whatever it was. So um, what's, what's your thought? I mean, obviously you're, you know, uh, obviously you're a fan of them coming back because you were excited about it, but... Um, Switching gears on that point Since I think we've covered that um, Who were some of your favorites Maybe someone that you Pattern Maybe not your style after But when you study people When you watch people um, Who really is it And how did you come up with your style And and Bruiser Schmidt Who who Bruiser Schmidt is
1: Oh I'm going to throw some old
0: names at you That's quite alright
1: Pat Patterson Ray Stevens Dick Murdoch, Dusty Rhodes, Ole Anderson, a little bit of Gene thrown in there. Nice. William Regal, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, uh, to a lesser extent, Eddie. I think I try to watch a lot of things. Sorry to be here clanging, I'm getting my mail. No, you're fine. try to watch a lot of things and pull a lot of things from places I really I enjoy wrestling when uh, The when the movie meant something you know but you saw
0: let me ask you this let me ask you this well, um, cause those are some really he, good let, names uh, And the one thing I noticed in watching IWE, watching some of your matches uh, around Ohio and and other places, is there's a lot of guys on the indies that are kind of throwbacks. Uh, When I Mm watch IWE, it's a studio show. It reminds me of the old, you know, I told John and I told uh, Rick and Tim this, it reminds me of the old Georgia Championship Wrestling or Jim Crockett shows where you've got these guys that aren't all 6'5 and jacked. There's guys that actually wrestle. There's guys that have gimmicks like Stuntman Mike because I'm familiar with them. Um, And then there's you, the Bruiser, and Ricky, who are two big guys who are going at it and just, you know, laying the leather to each other and and, and actually having a great wrestling match and telling a good story. What is your thought, and I'm not going to ask you to to bury yourself or anything, not to sound inside, but um, teams like the Young Bucks and companies like Ring of Honor, where they're selling work rate to a certain crowd that's looking for a certain product— but
1: I think there's a, I think there's a niche for everything. I think I think the super indie style, as it's called, has its has its place. Um, I think it it has its fan base and it has it has merit because that takes a lot of athleticism and, and timing and you know the ring awareness and everything that it needs. Um, I get a little annoyed personally, with teams like the Young Bucks. Not that they're not talented, not that they're not good, right. not that they, they're, they're undeserving of the praise that they get, but, you know, Shawn Michaels went for how many years using a super kick as a finish, and these guys throw it as often as somebody else throws a clothesline. Right. That's my sticking point, is... The moves should matter. They should mean something. When um, when Ric Flair locked on that figure four, it meant something. You you knew you knew the, the 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 end was imminent. When when Dusty Rhodes pulled down that elbow pad and he wound up that elbow, you <laughs> knew it. You know you knew when Hogan gave the signal and he you know cupped his ear and then came off the ropes for the leg jumping. Moves should matter. I agree. I, 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 worked, I worked with a guy. I'll tell you a story. I worked with a guy uh, who is a Vietnam veteran uh, Army Ranger. Okay. He was the guy that they sent in to get downed pilots. So a lot of his stuff was solo missions, and he was trained in very deadly arts. Okay. Um, and he was asking me about wrestling and asking me questions, and and I said, you know, we tell a story much like a play or a movie or a book, but instead of words and dialogue and cinematography, we tell the story with our bodies. Right. And and with with violence. And so, if you, in a in a book or a movie, if you overuse a certain adjective or you overuse a a camera shot or a camera angle, it loses its effect over time. Right. It's the same with anything that we do in the wrestling ring.
0: If yeah, you throw us- Sorry, it, it, it's like, um, I know John, and I keep name-dropping John, I think he's probably listening. Uh, John is a fan of classic horror, as as I am, and if you're familiar with how the story of how halloween came about uh, the oh, damn i can't even think of what it's called now cuz i'm like I'm still terrified bit. of that movie to this day <laughs> it's one of my favorites, I saw
1: Hall- I saw halloween 2 when i was 9 years old
0: i would and say I, yeah i saw it about the, the same time i was 11 maybe 11 or 12 yeah the
1: the 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 scene where the chick got her face boiled off i still can't do it
0: <laughs> my wife, Can't just, do it. My wife got me the uh, the the complete Halloween Blu Ray set. It's the it's a, a horror nerd's dream. It's got like three different versions of three of the films, a complete unreleased version of another one. It's it's awesome. But uh, um, this, the panaglide, it, it's a um, Steadicam. It was one mm-hmm. of, not the first time it was used, but one of the most prolific times it was used because it was pretty new. That first shot where they come up the, the front steps and around the house, and they did it with one camera, with, and it was a, a new thing. Well, then everyone mm-hmm. started doing it, and now it's it's passe. So mm-hmm. I completely understand what you're saying. And look at the reactions that Hogan used to it with the leg drop. Everyone went down for the leg drop, and then who was the first one to either kick out or roll out of the way? The Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania six, And it, mm-hmm. it was almost a career-making moment at that point.
1: Well, that's you know, and, and like I said, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bash on the young bucks and the, the super indie style or ROH because I love there's a lot of things that happen in ROH that I love. I love Samoa Joe and Kenta, and I loved CM Punk and Daniel Bryan and Nigel McGuinness and, and Claudio Castagnoli. I loved all that stuff. You know, I, there is a lot of great stuff that came out of ROH, and there's a lot of great stuff that's come out of TNA. It's just not for me. Like, the the, the, the fast-paced, super style is not for me. But There are people that it's for, and that's great. Buy the tickets. Go support those guys. Buy their T-shirts. You know, go to their websites and their Facebooks and their Twitters and all that. Support them as much as you can. You Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Do you think that's where some of the disconnect comes in between some fans who are just, and I think that's the thing, you know, whether it was ECW, Ring of Honor, uh, U, XPW, I almost said UPW. I don't think that's even. But uh, I think that de- in today's day and age of
1: technology, of, of uh, total access to everything at all times, there is way too much of the mentality of the thing that I like is the best thing in the world. And that you should like it too. And if you don't, then I'm going to shove it down your throat so you do like it. And if you still don't like it, I'm going to hate you because you don't like it. Exactly. There isn't the, men- there isn't the mentality of, well, I like this thing. And if you don't like it, that's fine.
0: It's you know, the, yeah, it's the old chocolate vanilla line. Um, and I think mm-hmm. I, I, I've heard, I think it was a Jim Cornette shoot interview. He was talking about how him and Vince McMahon always got along because you know they didn't hate each other. They just like two different flavors of ice cream. Um, Absolutely. And speaking of some of those people who were a little upset about what happened on Sunday, there are a lot of people who, I mean, obviously the canceled WWE network was trending. It made, I believe, USA Today. But um, WWE announced, even though they, people canceling their subscriptions on Sunday, crashed their tech support site. Uh, Wwe announced today that they have finally broken one million subscribers on the network so to all those people who thought they were making a difference by whining I got two words for you but uh you know it's interesting it's like politics you know it's not always it's not always the large numbers um, being represented by them the loudest people and I think
1: I'm I'm not going to ask you what side of the line you fall on, whether it be red or blue, but <laughs> I am going to, do you remember a few years ago when John Stewart Colbert held that rally
0: in DC? Yeah. What was it called? It
1: was the, uh, rally to, res- to restore sanity and or fear.
0: Yes. Yes. I remember and it that. was
1: done and it was done with, with satire and a smile. Right. Right. The whole point of it, the, the whole point of that rally and the whole point of, of what they did there was so that the silent majority, the 85% of Americans who go about their lives and, you know, are just, just trying to make it day-to-day and live and deal with the things could finally drown out that loud 15% who always seem to be near a microphone. Right. And I think with a lot of the internet wrestling community, they are the loudest fifteen percent of wrestling fans. That whole cancel your subscription thing is dumb. It's absolutely dumb. Right. I under I understand your upset, and I understand your angry at the outcome of of a wrestling match. And I love when people are that invested. I love when people are that invested. One of my favorite times in a ring. Now you got to have to follow me through to the end with this, okay? Yeah, okay. I'm going to sound like a jerk for about five minutes, but I promise the payoffs worked. Okay, go ahead. I made, a, I made a girl cry because I made fun of a kid in a wheelchair. Oh. See? Hold on. Now, what has happened was I was in the middle of a match, and I noticed a kid over in a corner, and... He's booing, and he's laughing and having a great time. And he's giving me a thumbs down. So I pull up the middle and bottom rope, like you would for a female
0: wrestler. Right.
1: And I say to him, why don't you walk out of that chair and come to the ring and boom? Oof. To which the whole crowd began to groan. And, oh, what a jerk. How could you say that to a guy in a wheelchair? Right. Yeah. I've I've got someone in the camel clutch in the middle of the ring and behind me I hear this woman yelling obscenities at me. You bastard, how could you do that? How I'm gonna whoop your ass just yelling, right? Right. And I I turn around and there's two security guards standing in front of the ring and she's trying to come into the ring and she's crying crying because I made fun of that kid. Now, match was over, ended, I went in the back, the promoter came up to me, and he was telling me that this fan wanted me to go apologize to that young boy. I had already intended to do that. Right. So I, quietly during intermission, find the child's mother, and I said, look, I'm sorry, you know, if there was any offense taken, I didn't mean it. It was, it was, you know, the the situation was available, and I was just trying to do my job as the bad guy. And she said, why are you apologizing?
0: Wow.
1: And I said, and I said, because I feel that. She goes, he loved every second of it. Thank you for making him part of the show.
0: That's awesome. autograph.
1: signed an autograph for the kid, took a picture with him. He loved it. He's been to every show since.
0: That's cool. I almost thought that it was going (laughs) to – I know you said follow for the payoff, but I I was afraid that I was going to take a turn for the worse for a minute when you said you went to talk to his mom. But uh, No, No, no.
1: I love it when people get that invested because that means we're doing the right thing. Right. When you can make someone love you to the point of tears or hate you to the point of tears, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing in that ring.
0: And I think that's another thing, too, is people think that just because people are rallying behind Daniel Bryan that he's the guy. And just speaking from an outside perspective, and you can agree or disagree with me, and and please voice your opinion, uh, but I think a lot of these people are misunderstanding. To relate it to my point, if you go back to the Attitude Era, Austin was king. You could not touch Austin. He was the man, and for great reason. And then The Rock came along. And while Austin was being kept away from... Uh, The Rock with Vince McMahon and the corporation and all that in between them. uh, Here comes Mick Foley, who the wrestling fans, which are the ones that will watch WWE through and through. And they they include a lot of those, you know, hardcore indie fans because a lot of those hardcore fans that demand that still just love wrestling for the sake of wrestling. You know, I I agree with you about Ring of Honor and some of the style and, and sometimes it is hard to watch. But I watched it almost every Sunday morning. I love Ring of Honor. I don't know why. I watched the New Japan Dome show. Um, it's just because when you have that love for wrestling, you watch almost anything you can get your hands on. But at the same time, those aren't the people that WWE is trying to get in their pocket because they've already got them in their pocket, and they're going to have to do a lot to, to drive them away. And back during the Attitude Era, Mick Foley was very popular. He was the emotional favorite for a lot of people. But Austin was the one who was breaking records, who was selling tickets, you know, just selling out arenas all over the country, sometimes two a night. Uh, so if I think if these fans were in that situation, I think these would be the same fans sticking up saying, boo, Austin sucks, he's he's their hand-picked guy. Um, you but know,
1: see, back in, the, back in that era of wrestling, you could interchange any one of those guys on any given night. You had Jericho, Austin, Foley, Angle, Undertaker, Triple H. You know, there's a list of six or seven guys who you could interchange every night and put in that main event spot, and it would still deliver a great main event and a great match and a great, compelling story to watch. I understand having to have the emotional favorite, and I agree with you that Daniel Bryan is just that in today's day and age for the fans. I think what a lot of fans, especially with having one dominant brand now, are like just come into their own. They have their own niche. TNA kind of fills that old southern void that WCW left and they went away. Um, Um, You have New Japan coming in a little bit. You have alternatives to the product. And there's several wonderful indie companies out there, you know, that that IWE being one of them. AIW out of Cleveland being one of them. You have several, several wonderful alternatives to, to the WWE product if that's not what you want to watch. But what a lot of fans fail to realize is that the WWE is worried about the casual fan. It wouldn't, what large sporting event is about to happen Sunday? The Super Bowl. Does, does the NFL care if the guys who dress up in the green suits and sit in the end zone in, 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 in Seattle show up in
0: Phoenix? No.
1: No, they care if the soccer mom's going to have her party with her Avon ladies. And watch it
0: for the commercials.
1: And watch for the commercials. That's what They're in it for the casual observer. And that's, that's, that's smart business. That's absolutely smart business. You have to cater to your largest demographic.
0: That's so true. Uh, I, and I just thought of this too. You know, Kurt Angle, he's another, I hate to say indie darling because TNA. I, I don't, sometimes you want to consider him an in, in indie, sometimes you don't. So it depends on people's taste and what they consider indie. But I almost consider anything but WWE indie, and not that that's a, a backhand, it's just. With WWE's size and scope, TNA is close. Um, but uh, with Kurt Angle, Angle was the guy. You know, when, when Angle came in, you had Austin, you had Rock, you had Triple H, Jericho, all of these guys. Um, and, and Benoit, and, and specifically, Benoit and Jericho were in the middle of the card feuding over the Intercontinental title. Well, here comes Angle, who was their handpicked guy who is then not steamrolled over everybody, but pretty much pushed straight through everyone to the top. Um, and it's funny to think Be- about that, because people think about Angle and, oh, he's this, this battle-tested warrior, and he's paid all his dues, and he's one of the greatest of all time. But he was in that same situation that Roman Reigns is in now, or John Cena was in before. So
1: but here's, here's the difference between them and Angle. Angle, much like the Iron Sheik did when Iron Sheik competed for Iran in the Olympics, the Angle brought legitimacy to the WWE because not only did you have not only do you have an Olympic competitor on your roster, you now have an Olympic gold medalist, right. and the and the first gold medalist in that event because in '96, um, what was it, freestyle? It was either freestyle or Greco-Roman. It was the first time that that particular that that for, that particular uh, style of wrestling was an Olympic sport, and he won it.
0: Yeah, I think it was freestyle, and you're right. You are right.
1: So he brought an air of legitimacy to the company. So why would you not push that to the top?
0: Oh, I'm, I'm yeah. No, I completely agree with you. I'm not. I'm just saying it's funny to think about how you know how much heat that you know, a guy like Roman Reigns is getting. Now, I, no, I I now I see that now the difference. But um
1: No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. And I I understand. I understand the comparison you were trying to make. Absolutely. Yeah. Um but
0: I you know, that is a good point because that for some reason that had not even occurred to me. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Someone's got to help me out for God's sakes. Um, it's like
1: that old, it's like the, it's like that old GI Joe tagline. And now you know, and knowing's half the battle.
0: GI Joe. Um, yes, I'm old enough to remember that.
1: Well, here's so here's another.
0: I. Here's another thing. Um, th- name three guys. It could be current guys. It could be guys on in the indies. It, you know, top. You know, it could be anybody, any era. What three guys would you, you know, kill to get in the ring with?
1: Oh, uh, Arn for sure. Um, that's a really good question. Uh, Arn Anderson definitely. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to think of guys that I would mesh well with. Not n- not just like fantasy guys, but guys that I would mesh well with. Because, I mean, if you're gonna say fantasy guys, you'd be like. Oh Rick Flair, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, Stone Cold. No. I I think I would want to have a match where we had really good chemistry. Right. Um Arne definitely I think Mr. Perfect because he could wrestle with anybody. Absolutely anybody.
0: Um Not I know you're you're thinking while you're thinking I want to ask you a question real quick. What do you think the the disconnect is with Curtis Axel? Because obviously you, there was for every uh, Roman Reigns, there's a David Flair, and I think Axel's good mechanically, but is it? Do you think it's a character thing? I just uh, he doesn't seem to connect. And being the son of Mr. I think, perfect, you think I he...
1: think they tried too hard. I think they tried too hard. Like at first he came out as Michael McGillicuddy, and they didn't want anybody to know that he was Mr. Perfect son. Right. And then uh, they didn't let him do his own thing. I mean. When you tell people that Bray Wyatt and Bo Bo Dallas are Mike Rotundo's son, they go, IRS? <laughs> because right. you don't look at them and see I mean, you see it in the face, right? Right. You can see you can see you can see the family resemblance in the face. But you don't think of them as 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 his sons because they've completely done their own thing. And I don't think they allowed Curtis Axel to do that. I don't think they allowed him to be his own thing and to do his own thing and to become his own person in that, 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 that way. Where you can, you can see the family lineage and you can respect it, but then it's like, oh, she's this completely other person. That's fair. Bray Wyatt is somebody I'd love to get in the ring with.
0: Oh, it, it, it might be suicide. Like it may be suicide. Um, and, and I don't know. <laughs> Again, I've, I've not played any sports higher than high school level, so don't let me kid you to think that I'm some sort of athlete or anything. But uh, maybe it was all my time spent on the scout team or the practice squad, but when I see a guy <laughs> like Lesnar, I get those thoughts of like, oh, my God, it would suck, and I would probably die of a heart attack or a broken neck. But I would love to get in the ring and just have that guy I, I, I kind of know him are so good Do you I, know what i mean i, I,
1: I kind of well see I know where you're coming from because I wrestled in eighth eighth and ninth grade I wrestled at one forty five uh my sophomore year I got a little bit heavier and I wrestled at like one sixty and then uh junior and senior year I was in the one I was in the one seventies and the guy who I was behind I followed up through through junior high into high school, he was a three or four times state champion hmm. and was on the Olympic team. Wow. Yeah. And so I was behind him. So I was always the alternate. Always. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so
1: I know where you're coming from. Sure. But just to be, just to be on the mat with him was fantastic. Right. Because it was a learning experience. Absolute learning experience. But to answer your previous question, I think Art Anderson and Bray Wyatt are two guys that I would love to be in the ring with. And then, you know, I mean, there's, there's tons of ancillary guys, Martel and Jake, but Hogan, just once. To grab Hogan in his prime and, and to work a match with Hogan would be awesome.
0: And even as a fan, an ignorant fan... You wouldn't have to do anything. Just think about how hot he was back in the eighties. You wouldn't have to do anything, and everything you did would be just an incredible reaction. You know, I pull the curtain back a little bit.
1: I was sitting there thinking when I was when I was just getting ready to to start wrestling on a training, and I was trying to put put everything together and and working on a little bit of a move set. I started thinking about heel moves and baby face moves and why would I do this and why would I do that? And uh, I think it was Piper. It was on it. I was a, still a trainee, but there was a show that Piper was on. And the subject of but um, not Piper, it was Gold Dust. Thank you. Okay. Gold Dust. Oh
0: you're welcome a, by the way
1: there's a seminar that I did with Goldust. And we're talking about heel moves and babyface moves and Hogan's and Goldust had said, Hogan used the back rate, didn't he? And everybody went, yeah. So what was Hogan for the majority of his career? He said, babyface. And it was at that point I had my first real, not real lesson in psychology, but but an important one where he said, there are no heel and baby face moves. It's your intent. Right. And Hogan back Sergeant Slaughter at WrestleMania 7 and the crowd cheered loudly yeah. because that, that coward, that scum, that traitor, that turncoat was getting what he deserved. And, you know, it's you could be at that point in time. Hogan could have had a match with a broomstick, and it would have sold out the garden. Right. I would have loved. Oh,
0: I would love to be there in Hogan. That'd be awesome. Just to feel that rumble between beneath your feet. Uh, no. We're just just north of three minutes, and I'm enjoying the conversation. But um, just but just three minutes.
1: I have a hungry. I have a hungry girlfriend. I need to shower. So.
0: Yeah, well, I was, was going to ask you before you go. Um, other than the IWE TV taping in Mount Pleasant at four o'clock this Saturday at the Max Studios, where else can people find you when you're not uh, uh, feeding let's, your hungry let's girlfriend see. and uh starting, uh,
1: Friday, uh starting this Friday, starting this Friday, every other Friday night, you can catch me in Franklin, Ohio, at the uh, at the Miami Valley Sportatorium, 692, uh, six ninety two, the six. 6972 South Dixie Highway in Franklin, Ohio. Um, You can catch me with NWA Midwest Championship Wrestling out of Marion, Ohio at 675 Uncaper Avenue in Marion, Ohio. Uh, It's February 7th where I will be going against Brandon X for the citywide title. Uh, You can catch me on... Mega Championship Wrestling out of O'Leary, Ohio, and just keep up with my Facebook page, Bruiser Schmidt, and I, I post everything that I'm doing there. And I try to tweet as often as possible as possible to uh, let fans know where I'm at and they can come see me. Good
0: stuff, Bruiser. Thanks for being on the show. It was enjoyable, and hopefully, we can do it again in the near future, man.
1: Absolutely. And before before I get out of here, I just, I just want to say something. I haven't been to IWE since October. And the fans will remember, when I was there in October, Ricky Cartier tried to dupe an official by bringing in a tire iron. So, this Saturday, Cartier and his fat mama Luke of a brother better watch their backs because I'm coming.
0: I'm looking forward care to if they-
1: it. I don't care if there's a ref or three ropes and four sides. Somebody's walking out of there beating the hell up. And I can tell you for sure, it ain't me.
0: There's going to be a fight for sure on Saturday. Doors open at three. It's at the Mac studios in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. Uh, I'm going to be there. So I'll see you then bruiser as nice talking to you. Go feed your girlfriend. Thank, uh, when you're finished doing whatever, think uh, nothing but angry thoughts about Rick Cartier and you guys. I
1: absolutely I absolutely will. Thank you, sir. Have a good night. You too, man.
0: I am Brian J. continuing the conversation uh, about the Royal Rumble and about Monday Night Raw last night and what everything means. And, and I'm going to give my opinion. And it's going to sound harsh at first, but much like Bruiser, who was on a little bit earlier talking about the insulting the kid in the wheelchair. Uh, Stay with us for a minute because it's not going to be all doom and gloom and and saying crass things about fellow wrestling fans. Although I do have some strong opinions about how things were expressed. But um, I agree with you guys to a certain extent on certain things, but I think the issue is completely ridiculous. For those of you who do not know, if you've been living under a rock um, or you've never been watching WWE programming, Roman Reigns, as expected, as reported since as far back as July of last year, uh, won the Royal Rumble. And now he will have the opportunity to face uh, the reigning WWE World Heavyweight Champion Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. So even though everyone knew about it for like six, eight months, even though it's been telegraphed, even though it's, you know, it... I say this, and Bruiser and I talked, and thanks again for Bruiser for being on tonight and, and being a, a great guest and uh, helping me pretty much captain the ship. Um, as we mentioned earlier, I'm an outsider looking in. You know, I have people, uh, quite a few friends in the business on different levels. Some are working indies, some are working small indies, some are working higher level indies. Uh, some people I converse with on a regular basis. Um, are veterans in wrestling and not the guys that have wrestled one show a year for 20 years. These are guys that, um, even though they're not household names, some household names know and respect them. So I listen to them. I try to learn, try not to overstep my bounds, and I ask questions when I can. Um, So I'm not your—I am on the internet, on social media. Obviously, I'm hosting a podcast. It's a weekly thing now. But I— I'm not a guy pretending to know all the ins and outs of wrestling. I take these, these opinions as a fan, as someone who tries to learn as much as they can without trying to sound like an asshole. Um, I I try to understand when I'm ignorant to something and not speak and ask questions, but I also have a background in business and I look at things from a business perspective as well, which is probably why um, I, I agree with a lot of the things WWE says and does, even if it's not my, personal taste um but i thought you know we talked about the essential we talked about the triple threat we kind of got into the uh the royal rumble and and the reigns and brian situation a little bit but um the whole daniel Bryan thing i'll say this first off to start on a positive note yes i'm gonna rip you guys a new ass but I kind of understand. I can respect the the canceling the subscription. For for months, me, Cole, Ben, Richard, we've all been talking about there's a lot of complaining, you know, malcontent uh, wrestling fans around the internet and, you know, around the horn, <clears throat> to pardon the pun, who go on and on and on about how much they hate WWE and how much they hate being force-fed guys and shove stuff down their throats. And it, a lot of times it's like, all right, then just stop watching. Just stop watching. It's that simple. If you're a fan of Ring of Honor, that's great. If you're a fan of TNA, that's great. And I, and I understand in all sports there's a, a an aspect where fans feel like they're a part of the team because they get passionate and they follow it and they, they live it and breathe it to an extent. Uh, but for some reason in wrestling it's different. You know, football fans. You can Michigan and Ohio State. We're in the Midwest. This is a regional show carried nationally, uh, uh, thanks to social media and and different resources. But most of the people listen know who the University of Michigan Wolverines are and the Ohio State uh, Buckeyes are, and that is a a regional rivalry. And I live on the line. I'm in Toledo, but I'm a, a stone's throw away from uh, Lambertville and Erie, Michigan. So there's a nice mix in Toledo and in my neighborhood of Michigan and Ohio fans. We live right next door to a Michigan fan and right next door to an Ohio fan. And when we get together and have a couple beers in the summertime and it starts getting cool, everyone starts talking football. And the Michigan fans and the Ohio fans talk their shit back and forth. And they may discredit each other's teams. But for some reason, wrestling, and I don't know if, if it's just the type of person emotionally that is you know, attracted to wrestling, They're, they have, they have a flair for the dramatic, um, more theater, but for some reason, I just, I can't comprehend why every time I go on a Facebook page where wrestling fans go to talk, there's, uh, TNA sucks, and they rip off WWE because Bobby Lashley is, you know, a former amateur champion, and this big muscled up dude, and an MMA fighter, now he's the top guy, and... And uh, Dixie Carter is a ripoff of the McMahons and Stephanie McMahon and blah, blah, blah. And then they fight, you know, back and forth and go, no, WWE ripped off of this with this angle. And they're they're right. They're correct. They're copying each other. But who gives a shit? You know, the most, the most insane thing I've ever seen is people who are WWE fans saying they wish TNA went out of business. And I've seen some TNA fans wish WWE goes out of business. And it's like, how many thousands of people, how many hundreds of people even in some cases, depend on those companies for jobs? If there was no WWE or TNA, how many, and think of it this way, I talked to uh, uh, Ricky Cartier and I talked to his brother Fat Tony on last week's show, which if you missed it, you can catch on our iTunes page, it's Program Wrestling Radio or Program Podcast The logo is pretty distinct. You can see it. It's about halfway down the page uh, after you hit the search button. Our page, programpodcast.blogspot.com. We have links up there as well. But you can go back and catch that interview where, you know, I was talking to them and I said, it's great because you've got companies like, you know, IWE and MWO and, and, and a bunch of the companies that Bruiser works with out in the eastern Ohio areas and central Ohio areas and even beyond where you're going to see wrestling that you are not going to see in WWE. You know, WWE employs a very specific type of wrestling. NXT is as close as they get to, you know, uh, an alternative. And I think that's the big problem that happened with ECW is... They brought it on as an alternative to WWE, but if it's an alternative, it's not going to be as mass appealing. So it's always going to seem less than if you try to make it, you know, a Tuesday night show and it looks like WWE. But if it's a different style, they're not going to draw the same way. So it's got to be different. And I think that's a huge, you know, boner that they made there. But this whole, you know, you know, fuck this guy and this company sucks, and, you know, I hope it goes out of the business and I hope this guy loses. It's, eh, why? <laughs> can't we all just get along? I, mean, I just, I don't get it. And, and the fans going nuts on Sunday, you know, I, I just, I really don't know what you guys would have done. And this is from me, Brian. I can't say my last name because I'm in a certain business and disclosure and yada, yada, clients. But <laughs> this is Brian. <laughs> Fellow wrestling fan of 30 years, host of this podcast, talking to all the fans. This is an open question to all the fans. Feel free to 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 comment, to leave messages, to send me MP3s of your messages. I'll play them on the show. I don't give a shit. I just want to hear the reasoning behind it. What the hell are you guys thinking? You know, I just, I, I don't understand. I understand international fans in, in the UK you know, the U.K. has a different flavor of wrestling that historically it's enjoyed. Just as in the United States, in the South, it's been a different flavor of wrestling. In Japan, it's a different flavor of wrestling. I just don't understand, as uh, as Bruiser said earlier, why people can't just, you know, understand that I like chocolate, you like vanilla. I'll get my cone, you get yours. We'll sit uh, at, a, at a booth and we'll grab, you know, some ice cream and talk shop. I just, I don't understand why it has to get so, you know, belligerent. I mean, there's, there's no other word for it. For anyone who's not on Facebook uh, or uh, paid group pages and discussion pages, for anyone who's not talking to people like this on Facebook, I I almost tell you not to do it, but if you don't believe me, go and try. It's ridiculous. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I just, I I don't understand it. As as someone, I am 28 years old this March. I started as, and believe it or not, it is legit true. I will post pictures on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash program podcast, if no one believes me, or on the page over at Blogspot. Two and a half years old. That's when I got into wrestling. My cousin Dan from Texas, uh, he was just in town, in December, for my grandmother's passing, uh, he's he's the man who, who led this horse to the waters of WWF and uh, everything else that followed. But we visited them, summertime, I was two and a half, and Dan had the big LJN wrestling action figures. And I was playing with them in the pool, and when I came home, it just kind of stuck, and I had cousins that watched it. And I would go spend on night over their house, and I'd dig through the tapes, looking for something to watch, and I'd find WrestleMania two. or I'd find WrestleMania four. And that's when I started getting into wrestling. It was the uh, summer of 1989. And uh, the first event I can remember watching, it was on tape, I didn't watch the pay-per-view. Uh, my godfather's family had a satellite, they would tape everything for me, because they knew I was starting to get into it. I was three years old. Let's see, two and a half, yeah, was two and a half, three years old, and I was watching... Um, Zeus and the Macho Man face off with Brutus Beefcake and, and Hulk Hogan. It's been that long, so and I'll be 28 in about two months. Been a long time. I don't remember ever having a conversation with a wrestling fan and telling them, Oh, you're stupid! Because no, nah, man, nah. David Bryan, man. Like I got I got cousins that come over. Cousins that live in Indiana. They're starting to get into wrestling. They're in their late teens, early twenties. And they ask and my everyone knows, hey, go talk to Brian. Go talk to Brian. He'll he sit and talk to you about wrestling for, you know, a week. So they come over, oh, who do you like? I'm like, oh, who do you like? I asked them first. I gauge it. Who do you like? Oh, I like John Cena. And I go. They either say, ah, that's cool, or, eh, he's all right. But I'm not like, oh, you're a loser. You suck. You go kill yourself, draw a bath, and a razor blade. You know, I, I just don't get it. But I've never seen, like, with Daniel Bryan last year, I can kind of understand. But this year, I mean, what's, why? As Bruiser said, everyone's known for six months. You, know, you can see it coming if you've watched wrestling for more than ten to fifteen years. You know if you've seen the different cycles. You know it, it's you know from Hogan to the, the to Bret Hart to Shawn Michaels. To, there's a certain way and a certain pattern of things that they do. That if you watch it for a couple cycles of top guys, you you understand what's coming. It's still enjoyable. But I just I don't understand as Bruiser mentioned that idea of. You know, I like who I like, and if he's not the top guy, then then fuck this. This is bullshit and I'm going to take to online and insult everybody. I just I don't get it. And I'm going to cancel my subscription. <laughs> Daniel, Bryan. <laughs> Daniel Bryan didn't win this year, so I'm going to cancel my subscription to the WWE Network. <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. Have some self-respect. I had a legit billing issue yesterday that I couldn't take care of because you fucking morons. You know, I'm not <laughs> I'm not insulting you over the over your taste in wrestling. I'm insulting you because you guys were such childish buffoons that I had a legitimate billing issue. Uh, an extra hundred bucks came out of my account to the WWE network that I can't get back until they call me back because they're still sorting out your bullshit. Yeah, grow up. But I don't get it. So what, Daniel Bryan didn't go to WrestleMania? Let's 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 peel back the onion, shall we? Here's why he didn't go to WrestleMania. Number one, it's Roman Reigns' time. I know people are saying he ain't ready. He'll be ready by mania. Number two Daniel Bryan wasn't ready. The dude was pushed to the moon. He wasn't a draw in his uh, pay-per-view matches with Randy Orton in the second half of 2013. It's fact. Go back. I did it, and I posted it at the webpage after CM Punk was talking about his ratings and his pay-per-view buy rates. CM Punk, his pay-per-view buy rates for a while were down. In the first half of 2013, they were okay. In the second half of 2013, they tanked after WrestleMania. Or after SummerSlam, excuse me. Daniel Bryan, I love him. He's probably my favorite wrestler. Uh other than Wyatt and Ambrose I'm one of you guys I'm one of the I'm one of the uh the choir so I know I'm preaching to the choir here but I'm a member of the congregation I like those guys those are the guys I tune in to watch but it's Romans time he's good he's over you know if you relate it back to like I said earlier, the Attitude Era. Yes, Mick Foley was a sentimental favorite to a lot of fans, but he wasn't getting chicks to watch. He wasn't getting non-wrestling fans to watch. That was Austin, single-handedly. And then The Rock came along and did it. How lucky were they to get two top guys at the same time? That's that's a one in a billion chance. it never happen again. John Cena, like him or not, he draws fans other than your core you know, two, three, four, you know, million people in that wrestlers will. The wrestling means fuck all. Doesn't matter if a guy doesn't go to uh wrist lock from a wristwatch. If he can go in there, if he has a style, if he can do what he does, you know, sure Daniel Bryan's a better wrestler and he's become a good worker, but who's the better worker? The guy that goes out and has to kill himself and break his neck and take you know what six seven months off to come back to get over, or Roman Reigns who's over and does like five moves that Superman punch. Come on, that su- the Superman punch is the coolest finish in power setup move whatever in wrestling in probably the past ten years. And when he does it, he gets that visceral "ah" uh, from the crowd that we haven't heard since, you know, the old Southern wrestling days of the mid to late '80s. No one gets that anymore. He's good. He's the next guy. He's the Hollywood attraction. You know, if you if your favorite wrestler wrestles a Ring of Honor style or a, a, a better work rate. And it's not about you know psychology. It's just about work, in ring work. Just watch Ring of Honor and be happy that you know Jay Briscoe is a world champion. But I hate to break it to you guys, if Ring of Honor, if that style of wrestling was the huge draw that you guys say it is or should be, then they wouldn't be averaging like five to seven hundred people on their shows. I love them and they're doing great. They're doing great. They're they're growing every day. They're in a new market every day, but if if you look at it, they're still doing those numbers. More markets, which is you know more viewers over the long term, but those shows it's still five seven. You know, their debut in Toledo was four hundred. Yeesh. That was night two of Survival of the Fittest. Great show. I was there. Richard, who has been on the show several times, he was there with me. But it's, you know, that right there. And if you look at the top prospect tournament, I, I beg you, tune into Ring of Honor um, this week's show and then the next coming week's show. They're having their top prospect tournament. You look at Jay Diesel, he's small, but he's a jacked up dude. Uh, he can go, but they've got uh, several guys. One whose name I cannot mention, but he reminds me of Mark Jindrak. I'm gonna check it out here while I'm, I'm talking. But excuse me. If the work rate was exactly what they say, if it was that important, and guys like Daniel Bryan deserved to be the world champion, then Ring of Honor would be setting attendance records all over the world right now. But they're not. It's just the truth. I again, I love them, and here's where I do agree with you guys. If you were able to sit through that, you know, and not file a an anti-bullying case against me, I will agree with this WWE. It was either that they were so dumb or so stubborn that no matter what, I mean, why would you book that guy with that match and those guys to go out in Philly? Completely knowing what was going to happen. You know, Daniel Bryan had a strong showing, but was eliminated, you know, early on. But then you had Ambrose, you had Ziggler, who barely had you know, barely, barely had even a showing. Came in at 30, he was dumped out. You know, the way that all built up, to think that Roman Reigns was just in, in a city like Philadelphia was just going to kind of usurp their momentum and and their support was either one of two things. One, either extremely short-sighted by WWE and they just decided to go with it and deal with it. Or two, it was incredibly brilliant. Because if you look what happened to Daniel Bryan last year, his match with Cena at SummerSlam, the buy rate was not that good. His buy rates were not good challenging Randy Orton for the WWE title in the months after. In fact, Big Show's matchup drew more the following month. And then it was back to Cena and Orton for TLC, and then the big push for Daniel Bryan. And Daniel Bryan was not as valuable as a top guy until after that whole thing happened. So what WWE did last night, and I think it was perfect, and I'll I'll give it to you this way. I understand on the face of it as a wrestling fan, it's why would you have it, think about it from a fan's perspective inside the bubble, it's why would you have this guy have a kind of a showing and then go out, and then you've got, these three guys come in, and they're barely even used, and then just Roman goes over. How did you expect that to work? Here's why. Because the casual fans ate it up. They're still going to support those other guys, because guess what? All those other guys, with the exception of Brian, got screwed by the authority. Right? Which is <laughs> a creative extension on WWE TV of WWE management. So guess who's going to have more support now? Ziggler, Ambrose, all those guys. Those guys that were quote-unquote wronged by WWE management because they it was their year. No, it wasn't. But now guess what? It's going to be an interesting ride to WrestleMania. And now they're more valuable because there's more sympathy for those guys. more heat on WWE and on Triple H and on Stephanie because even though they're on screen in charge they still are decision makers within the company it's called heat they're pissing you off they know they're pissing you off they're doing it on purpose because they want to drum up support for these guys and the same old you son of a bitch you jumped me from behind on my way to the ring so I'm going to come back and fight you that doesn't work anymore from a a visceral, guttural standpoint. And Bruiser said it earlier. He turned around and, and challenged a small kid to get up in the ring in a wheelchair. you got to go to those type of extents to really get that type of heat anymore. And I know a lot of old-timers say, well, well goddamn, if I got in the ring, I could get some heat. Well, yeah, it's true. But I assure you it's not going to be anywhere near as easy as it used to be 20, 30 years ago. Wrapping this up, because we've gone in almost another half hour for you guys, just to give you a little bit extra, um, I think WWE did the perfect thing last night, I really did, I, mean, I agree with you, on the, on the face of it, it seems like it's stupid, or how could you do that stuff and expect any different, I think they expected exactly what it is. You know, again, I mentioned I'm in business and, and a great analogy that was told to me about a year and a half ago that really changed the way I, I look at things and stress and, um, and, and bad tense situations. A thing that really changed my outlook on that is an analogy that I was told by a, a, a business coach within the firm that I work for. And it goes like this, I'll keep it short because this isn't soapbox time, but, um, Out on on the the fields, you have bulls and you have cows, and the bulls stand up on the hill, and the cows are downwind. And when a storm brews, the bulls hear about the storm first because they're upwind. Now, the thing about bulls is when they see a storm coming, they charge the storm. Cows run away from the storm. And what ends up happening is the bulls run straight through the storm, Yes, they're wet, They're falling down, blown over, whatever. They're stressed and anxietied out and scared. But because they're running at the storm, as the storm's coming at them, they pass the storm with minimal effort and stress. Now, the cows naturally run away from the storm. The cows spend more energy, more time fighting the storm trying to get away from it, and then more time in it because they still try to outrun it, and you can't outrun the storm. WWE knew the storm was coming. They knew they were in an impossible situation. There was no way. They knew there was no way that they could walk out of Philadelphia with the emotional favorites of the hardcore and I don't mean hardcore wrestling as in blood and guts and whatever. The hardcore wrestling fan, the obsessive wrestling fan that watches everything and is a fan of the hardworking guys that are good like Ambrose and Brian and, and these guys. They follow Ring of Honor. They follow these guys forever. So they want to see these guys succeed. They're the emotional favorites. WWE knew there was no way they could get rid of all those guys and put Roman over. Without that sort of Backlash. It, would, it happened last year, and it wasn't in Philly. I wasn't in the crowd, but it probably wasn't pretty to be there. It didn't look good, you know, didn't look good on, uh, on pay-per-view, that's for sure. But come on, the Rumble was enjoyable. Good show. Certain guys got over. And think about it this. They left a clean slate for so many guys. You know, they, they started Cena versus Rusev, which I think is going to be good. They've got <laughs> Lesnar still as the champion. He's going to face off against uh, Roman Reigns, which is going to be a great matchup because Roman by WrestleMania, if the WrestleMania crowd isn't a bunch of jackoffs, Roman will be ready and people will be behind him. And Lesnar is Lesnar. but it'll be a great matchup. Who cares if it's not a two out of three falls 60 minute technical masterpiece between Chris Hero and Claudio Castagnoli? The emotion, <clears throat> excuse me, puberty. The emotion that those two guys will bring to the table in front of 60,000 people will make up for any of that that anyone could bitch about. That's WrestleMania. It's great to see the Bulldogs versus the Hearts. It's great to see Savage versus Steamboat. It's great to see the Can Am's versus, uh, well, escapes me, uh, Morocco and Orton. It's great to see the Rougeos versus the Dream Team. It's great even to see Coco Beware versus Butch Reed. But the reason they all paid. And the reason that they're doing record numbers every WrestleMania and every arena they go to is because of the main attraction. Plain and simple. From this fan's humble opinion. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I think WWE has done the perfect thing with Reigns. Much like, and if you don't think, if you don't believe that, if you don't think that this was all thought out and planned ahead of time. Then look at the Ascension. Six weeks ago, they were the most talked-about tag team in wrestling. Everyone hated them. They didn't deserve to be there. They weren't that good. They looked like shit. They were a road warrior knockoffs. They were disrespectful. And guess what? They had a great matchup with Road Dog and with Billy Gunn and and uh, at the Royal Rumble on Sunday. They've arrived. They're the next top tag team. And if Bruiser's right and they go up against the Dudleys at WrestleMania, it'll be awesome because you know why? You're all going to, and I'm going to hate the Ascension for the things they do and they say. And you're going to want to see the veteran team of the Dudleys if they come back, kick, kick the shit out of them. That's wrestling. That's modern wrestling psychology. So, if you think for a second WWE didn't know what they were doing with Roman Reigns and Dolph Ziggler and Dean Ambrose and Ryback and Daniel Bryan, then you're wrong. And that's just my opinion. Again, the challenge still stands. If you want to respond to this, send me an MP3. Record it on your phone. Record it on your computer. I don't care what it is. Record your response. Tell me why it made sense to do what the fans did the other night and to trend-cancel WWE Network. Tell us why we're wrong. Send it to programpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's programpodcast at gmail.com. For this episode, for all of our episodes, you can go to iTunes, search programpodcast.com. Or you can go to programpodcast.blogspot.com Links to our episodes and to our iTunes store as well. I will be up at IWE Battlezone TV in Mount Pleasant, Michigan this Saturday. I'm excited. I'm going up uh, as a special guest of of John Campbell and the guys. And I can't wait to see you guys uh, do your thing on Sunday and, and check things out and just... Uh, be a guest I'm also meeting John before the show and uh, you guys will catch some of the details of that later so stay tuned for the announcement and stay tuned to the YouTube channel as well because some of that's going to be included there other than that if you want to check out IWE obviously you can Download the Indie Wrestling channel on your Roku streaming device. You can check them out at imperialwrestling.tk. Check out their shows and more details on how to reach them and find them. Thanks to John for putting me in touch with tonight's guest. Thank you a million times over to Bruiser Schmidt for being on the show. And again, if you guys have questions, concerns, comments, program, podcast, at gmail.com is where your comments go. Stop by the Facebook page, facebook.com slash program podcast. And please, if you're going to iTunes, rate us. Not as in go there and listen to our show. Obviously do that, but give us a rating, star rating, melter rating. Give us a melter rating. Who knows? Because what we're trying to do with with wrestlers like Bruiser, John, The Cartiers, next week we're supposed to have Mr. Positive from Positive Promotions. He's a manager with IWE uh, and around the Michigan area. We're supposed to have him on next week. Uh, I have not talked to him coming out of Saturday, this coming Saturday. I don't know if we're still going to be able to have him on, but we're trying to make that work. But from the crew, from myself, thank you for listening tonight. My name is Brian J and this has been Program Wrestling Radio